0: My name is Paul Riley, also known as Political Paul, and this is The Riley Rant, a weekly podcast where we discuss all things political, professional, and personal. Let's rant. Thank you for tuning in to the 11th official episode of The Riley Rant. As was noted in the intro, we discuss all things political, professional, and personal. And I love that we touch on such a broader array of topics because it allows for me on any given week to dive deeper into one of these areas. And this week, I want to take a deeper dive into the professional. And so if you've been following us with respect to the professional landscape in the professional realm, you'll note that our first episode on this topic was centered on the best career advice I've ever received. And in that episode, we leveraged Kyle Newport's book, So Good They Can't Ignore You, where he basically tells us not to follow our passion and instead to build up rare and valuable skills, which will allow us to build career capital. And with that career capital, we could transfer it into more control over our day-to-day, more control over our lives, which will ultimately make us happier in the long run. And so his thinking was, stop with this follow-your-passion nonsense. It only leads to dissatisfaction. It only raises the stakes. It only stresses you out. Instead, focus on trying to gain more control in your career. And so I I left you with that episode. A few episodes later, I followed up with 2020 Career Vision and a blog post entitled What's Your Vision Statement? And I tried to push past the follow-your-passion mindset, and I said, you know, I agree with Kyle Newport Passion is limiting, passion is dangerous, but there has to be a way for us to guide and center and direct our lives and our careers. And so I said, yes, let's not follow our passion. Let's instead create a vision for our lives. Because when you move from passion to vision, you allow for more flexibility in your day to day. But as I begin to think about those last two episodes... And of course we had a former colleague come on in the most recent professional rant discussing how he's applying these principles in his day to day. But as I began to step back, I began to realize that a lot of this stuff is very high level, very theoretical up in the clouds and it's very follow your your, your vision and, and this grandiose idea of following something that's bigger than you. But I also realize the importance of stepping back and, and really diving deep into the practical ways in which we can realize our, our success and our potential in the professional landscape. And so today I want to spend this episode focusing on some practical tips that you all can use um, as you navigate the professional landscape, as you look you know at employment opportunities, as you think about your career, really diving into the practical day-to-day things that you can do to make yourself successful. So that's what this rant today will focus on. And to start, uh, the first piece of advice, um, and again, three pieces of advice, the first piece of advice I would give to you is centered on being flexible and adaptable uh, in your career. And as you think about jobs and as you think about opportunities is being flexible and adaptable. It's so great to have a five-year plan. It's great to have milestones and goalposts to ensure that you're pacing towards what you want to accomplish but you also have to make room for the unknown. And this became so apparent for me this past weekend when I had a friend uh, visit uh, San Francisco. And she was telling me how she had this interest and this fascination in in, in learning more about energy development in Africa, particularly in Ghana, and how in her five-year plan, she wanted to get into a role and into a job that was allowing her to get hands-on experience focusing on energy policy and energy development in Africa. Uh, but her first job out of college uh, was actually centered on you know energy development and policy, but it was more focused on research. It was more so on the outside looking in. Uh, and she told me that she she took this experience because although it wasn't directly aligned to what she thought she wanted to do at the time, which is get that hands-on experience on the ground, although that wasn't what this role was, she saw the value in being flexible and adaptable and saying, you know, this, is what, this isn't this is what I exactly I wanted, but it's going to be closely aligned and allow me to build up a skill set and expertise, which I can then leverage in the future. Um, she, she looked at it from that perspective, and that was what allowed her to take the opportunity. And it ultimately paid off for her in the long run. So although she had to forego getting in the weeds for about a year or two, she's now in a position where that job that seemed somewhat removed from her desire to get the hands-on experience uh, actually is now affording her the opportunity to return to Ghana to work for a minister to get that hands-on experience and they're going to you know sort of cover uh, a portion of of that funding for her to make that dream a reality and so I think that that story is indicative of this first piece of advice the importance of being flexible and adaptable as you think about your career and as you entertain and and evaluate opportunities. Yes, you can have a vision, I want to be in this role, I want to be in this place at this point in time, but you also have to have the flexibility to say, this role seems very interesting, it's not exactly what I thought I would be doing, but it's close enough that it will allow me to make inroads to get closer to that goal that I have for myself. That type of thinking, that type of strategic high level thinking around your career is so valuable because it allows for you to bring in opportunities that that may not have originally appealed to you, and once you to begin to step back and see how this can also create paths for you to realize and get to that, that dream job that you ultimately want. And so I believe in my mind that this translates into work that other people may be contemplating and, and considering. So you all may know that I love politics, but even if you're, say, someone who wants to be an agent in LA, there's an understanding that these fields, in order to break into them, require oftentimes interning, oftentimes volunteering with little pay or no pay at all, oftentimes paying your dues to, to begin to climb the ladder. And so if that's what it takes to break into these industries or into these fields, whether it be politics or a management trainee, agent trainee in, in L.A., um, it, it, that's what it oftentimes takes to break into these fields. And so if you're not flexible and adaptable and if you're saying, I want to work in politics or I want to work in an uh, in agent work in LA, but I don't want to do an internship. I don't want to make less than this amount of money. I don't want to work for free, right? Those decisions that you're making, that inability to be flexible and adaptable is going to cut off many opportunities and many pathways into the industry that you ultimately want to work in. And so I'm a very strong believer in setting boundaries. I'm a very strong believer in setting a red line and saying, I'm not going to do that. But I also want you to understand the the ramifications of taking those hard lines and being inflexible, um, in that it can oftentimes cut off so many opportunities and leave you further removed from your goals because you couldn't see how something that wasn't directly related uh, was still capable of getting you closer to the goal uh, than, than not taking the opportunity you would have. And so first point, piece of advice as you think about careers and, and jobs and really trying to realize your potential in the professional landscape is to be flexible, to be adaptable, to realize that you can have a plan, but that life doesn't always work out that way, that you can have a plan, but that things are going to pop up, things are going to change your trajectory. And it's so, so very important to have that open mind so that you can seize um, and take advantage of opportunities that may have not appealed to you originally or that may have not crossed your mind, but that can be just as effective in getting you closer to your career goals. And so we're going to be flexible and adaptable in the job search and thinking about our careers. But I think we also have to be mindful of how we're presenting ourselves and how we're setting ourselves up for success as we try to gain admission into these companies. And so when you think about admission into school, we often think about the SAT, the LSAT, the GMAT, the GRE. These are all required for admission. These are tickets to entrance, and there's really no way around it. And I think that's the same uh, for a resume. It's required for admission into some of these top companies. It's required for that initial interview to begin to build up your brand and your story for why you want to work there. And it's almost like that SAT, LSAT, GMAT paradigm where it's almost required and, and there's no way around it. And so realizing the significance and the importance of a resume, I want to give my second piece of advice, uh, which is focused on how you craft your resume and how you present yourself in the application and interview process. And so my first piece of advice for the resume is that it should not be longer than one page. Unless you're a senior level executive with many, many years of experience, I I fail to see how a resume longer than one page is going to help you in the long run. I think that the better way to approach your resume is to be as short and as concise as possible. To get to the point, to use numbers and percentages if possible and applicable, but to really cut to the chase. But then beyond one page and being short and concise, I want to also share with you some things that recruiters say that you should remove from your resume altogether. And the first is an objective. The objective is sort of archaic. It's arcane. It's old-fashioned. Um, and, and there really isn't a need for the objective. If you're already going to submit a cover letter in conjunction with your resume, writing an objective is just duplicating work. It's taking up space. And it's not really helping to, to serve your purpose. And so many recruiters say, remove that objective, it really doesn't help in, in any way. Recruiters also want you to remove personal information. So, you know, I really shouldn't be learning about whether you're married or single, your religion. Of course, that may pop up um, when you list activities that you're a part of, but those, you know, really don't have to be explicitly stated in your resume, and you'd be surprised by how many people actually do this and explicitly state this. And so removing that personal information, there's also some debate when you talk about personal information around whether you should include your personal address or whether you should opt just for the city and state. I don't have an opinion on that, I'll leave that up to you. Uh, But being mindful about what personal information you include, so for example, placing a salary next to your work history on your resume. That's not needed. Of course, salary may come up in the application and it definitely will come up later in the interview process, but there's no need to place your salary uh, from previous employers on your resume. Um, And many recruiters would caution against that. Again, when talking about cliche, old fashioned things like the objective, they also encourage you to remove the, the references or even the language around references available upon request. Again, If the recruiters want your references, they'll ask for them. You don't have to state that. Another thing you should be careful of is that Microsoft Office experience. Uh, Again, things that are in this day and age a given, sort of redundant, um, sort of elementary to include that in your resume. One thing that sort of surprised me was this idea of no photo. I had never given any thought to including a photo in my resume, but they say you really shouldn't be including um, photos. Again, being mindful of your branding and that email address. you know, Being cautious of, of what email addresses you use, um, the the lingo or the language in your personal email address, being mindful of that, and of course, staying away from listing your work email as your primary email address on your resume. These are things that are all self-explanatory, but you'd be surprised by how many people actually end up doing this. And then lastly, being mindful of words. So, saying things like responsible for, Use so many times that it's not going to really set you apart. So try to go for more high-impact action verbs. Also, staying away from the use of I. So I did this. I helped with that. This is your resume. It's already uh, implied and assumed that everything that you're talking about is referring to things that you've done. So really removing words like I because they don't really help with the professionalism of your resume or the the polished nature of it. And then lastly, being mindful of tense. So if you're currently at a job, when you're describing your role, keep it in the present tense, and of course for those past jobs, you revert to the past tense to describe your role. And the reason why it's so important for you to only have a one-page resume, important to remove those distractions, which can be photos or crazy email addresses, or the lingo like references upon request, is because they distract the recruiter. You don't want to distract the recruiter uh, primarily because there's research that shows just how valuable recruiters time is when when looking at your resume. So when we think about resumes and recruiters reviewing them, we put so much time and energy into them that we assume the recruiters are going to spend maybe three to five minutes reviewing, taking a deep dive into your experience. And many people may say, oh, definitely one to two minutes looking at the resume. But the ladders, which is a resume matching service company or job matching service, they did a study or or some research on this where they looked at 30 professional recruiters. And granted, this was done in 2012, but the study was still enlightening because what they found using eye-tracking techniques is that the recruiters they observed spent on average six seconds reviewing a resume. Six whole seconds. So all that time you're putting into your resume and the recruiters only spending around six seconds and using those six seconds to determine if they're going to move you on or sort of remove you from the process. And so that only reiterates why it's so important to limit the distractions, to limit things that can cause the recruiter to overlook in those six seconds your experience and more so focus on why did this person include a picture? Why did they include an objective? Or why are they talking about themselves in the first person? All of these things hurt you more than they help you, particularly when someone is spending such a short amount of time looking at your resume. And for me personally, I'm not an expert in HR at all. I have interns in HR. Um, I spent about a year after college working as an HR business partner and also as a recruiter. And so I'll add at least an anecdote to this to say that when you're recruiting for roles, you may get hundreds of applications. And in my experience, it would take me looking through maybe 100 applications to find one or two candidates who met the basic qualifications for the role. So 100 resumes reviewed, I would only probably find one or two, so literally a diamond in the rough. I can imagine that recruiters spend little to no time reviewing resumes, I would never have imagined it'll be six seconds, but that just goes to show you how important it is uh, to have a resume that's clear, concise, and crisp but also that's void of any distractions that will only hurt you uh, more than help you in the process. And so we have an understanding of the importance of being flexible and adaptable. We have an understanding of the second piece of advice around the resume, how it's so important to get admission into these companies and how we should opt for more concise, straightforward language because recruiters are only spending six seconds at most reviewing our resume. But beyond that, Uh, My last piece of advice for you all, whether you're seeking a new job opportunity or thinking about your career, is the importance of networking. I work at LinkedIn, and I can attest to how LinkedIn has transformed the job-seeking process, has transformed recruiting in a fundamental way. And 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 it's in this way. When you are a recruiter, as I mentioned I was, and you're looking at 100 applications to find one or two candidates who are viable and promising... That can be frustrating because the time it takes to look through those applications can take days. And so what LinkedIn has done for many talent organizations is it's equipped them with products and tools to easily find candidates who already meet the basic qualifications. And so five, six, seven years ago, if you were a recruiter looking for a marketing manager with five years of experience in San Francisco, you would oftentimes have to spend all of your time looking through this applicant tracking system with all of these resumes trying to find people who are fit. And while recruiters still do that to this very day, you're now, as an applicant, having to compete against these products and services that now allow for the recruiter to look at the resumes coming in for that marketing manager position, but to also be able to actively search for candidates who meet that criteria. So when 450 plus million people have uploaded their information onto LinkedIn, from their job titles to companies they worked for, recruiters are now in a position where if they're looking for that marketing manager, they can use filtered searches and say, I want to find the marketing manager, type in years of experience five, city San Francisco, and it'll be great if they worked for these one, two or three companies. And that search is gonna spit out candidates who match that criteria to a T. And so now, This should inform us of the importance of the competition that we're facing, but also of the lack of value in simply submitting your application to an applicant tracking system. So if I know that recruiters are now equipped with tools to find ideal candidates, I no longer can remain comfortable or content with simply submitting my resume and praying that someone will come across it and reach out to me. What this truth reveals to me and what it should reveal to you is the importance of proactively getting in front of these decision makers to make yourself a viable candidate. And the way you do that is by having a robust and enhanced LinkedIn profile to help you network. And so when we talk about the resume and the importance of scaling it down, keeping it short and crisp, one way that you can solve for cutting out important information from your resume is by including a link to your LinkedIn profile in your resume. So that when recruiters are looking at your experience at a high level through that very concise resume, they also have the option to click on that hyperlink to your LinkedIn profile to get a more holistic you know, story. So in the resume, although you're not including your picture, if you include that link to your LinkedIn profile, you now have the recruiter looking at your picture once they click on that link. They also can see a high level summary of how you describe yourself, And they can see additional experiences you may have left off your resume out of a desire to keep it short and crisp. And so that reveals to me the importance of social media and networking. But it's also important because your competition is no longer just simply submitting resumes and, and praying and hoping they're contacted. Your competition is now not only submitting the resume, but leveraging LinkedIn to see Who are the potential members of the team at the company I'm trying to work for? And would it be wise to potentially reach out to them to learn more about the role? Or beyond that, you now can leverage LinkedIn to say, oh, I want to work at X, Y, and Z company. Oh, wait a minute. Five people in my network on LinkedIn work at this company. Let me reach out to them to see if they have any pointers or tips. Because that's the future of the job search. Many people are finding their next job opportunity not through simply submitting an application, but through leveraging connections who work at these places to get referrals. And so if you're not being proactive in your approach, if you're not building out your social media presence, if you're not building out your LinkedIn profile to network, you're setting yourself up at a huge disadvantage and you're not acknowledging the significant transformations that have occurred in the talent and recruiting landscape, which is going to make it that much harder to get a job, but that much harder, particularly when you're not leveraging all the tools at your disposal, namely LinkedIn, to connect with people. But beyond using social media to network, I think that networking is also important in how you share with people the dreams and the goals and the desires that you have for yourself. And this became apparent to me at a sales kickoff. Uh, that we had uh, in January at my company. And our CEO came to coffee chat type interview format with our head of sales. And he basically was talking about, you know, career transformation and things of that sort. And he looked at the audience and he said, you know, I have a question for all of you. If I asked you in 15 seconds to tell me what you'd want to accomplish in 20 to 30 years, how many of you, show of hands, could tell me that right now in 15 seconds? And they showed the lights, you know, on the audience. And about 5% of the group raised their hand and said they had a clear understanding of what they would say. And he basically pivoted back and he said, you know, I asked that question because that's where it all begins. When you know what you love to do or when you start to develop a clear understanding of what you want to do, you are going to manifest it. And he was saying, I'm not trying to say this in this magical unicorn type of way, but he was saying you're going to manifest it. Because you're going to work to explicitly and implicitly make it happen. And so when you have a goal and desire for yourself, you're going to tell your family members, you're going to tell friends. And they're going to, with that knowledge, have an interest in trying to help you achieve those goals and, and get you closer to that. And they're going to be willing to open doors for you because they know what you want to accomplish. But his point was that if you don't know or if you don't tell people what you want to accomplish... You're also setting yourself up for a disadvantage because no one can help you if they have no idea uh, as to what it is you want to accomplish. And I think this is so important as you think about the career search. Yes, it's important to be flexible and adaptable. And yes, you should have the best resume possible and submit that. But you also have to do more work around networking through LinkedIn and also branding yourself. You know, so that when people look at you or or talk about you, they have an understanding of what it is that you want to accomplish. And this was revealed to me in such a very uh, apparent way uh, because people know that I have a love for law, a love for politics, that I ultimately want to work in that space. And it was funny because uh, when Harvard Law announced that they were going to allow for people to apply for their law school uh, with the LSAT, but also now with the GRE, It was so funny uh, to see many friends and family members sending me screenshots or links to the article because they had a clear understanding of what I wanted to accomplish and they were trying to help out where they could to open up doors for me. And so I've seen that even in my own life how when you begin to realize what it is that you want to accomplish and when you explicitly and implicitly make that known to others, there are people who are going to be willing to share opportunities with you to open up doors for you. And so, as you begin to think about your career, as you begin to think about the job search, as you begin to think about your next move, I would encourage you to take this advice with you to be flexible and adaptable, to have a clear sense of what you want to accomplish, but to also be open to paths that may not be directly aligned. So being flexible to opportunities that may be lower seniority than you may have anticipated. They may be for lower pay than you may have anticipated. But it's ultimately going to allow you to get closer to that goal. So that flexibility and that adaptability is so important. But then beyond that, understand the importance of your resume and being as clear and concise because recruiters are only spending six seconds reviewing your materials. And so the ways in which you can make it easier for them to understand your experience, using action verbs uh, that really get to the crux of what you were doing, leveraging the link to your LinkedIn profile to allow for more opportunities for them to delve into your history – that that's so important and then lastly networking so literally through enhancing your linkedin profile to leveraging your network to gain entry into some of these amazing companies to get intel on roles and teams and positions but then on networking as the ceo of my company described in really creating an understanding of what you want to do and he admits it's going to take time for some people But once you have a clear understanding of what you want to do, being implicit and explicit about how you want to accomplish that, telling others so they can help you to manifest that goal. I think these are all ways in which we can think about our careers. These are all practical steps that we can take to start getting closer to careers and and jobs and opportunities that are aligned with our passion and our skill set. And I think this is a way that we can achieve and realize our potential in the professional landscape. So that's my practical advice for you all. I hope that you all will take this with you as you begin to think about your career. And I hope that you will start to take steps to incorporating these three pieces of advice into your day-to-day. So maybe rethinking how you think about roles, rethinking how you frame your resume, rethinking how you network and reach out to people. These All will make a whole world of difference and they'll put you on a faster track to realizing your potential and putting you one step closer to doing work that you love in a career that's meaningful and that's allowing you to realize the value that you can give to not only an organization, uh, but to the world. So I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. Please share your feedback on how you're incorporating these steps into your life. And remember that if it's Sunday, it's time to rant. If it's Sunday, it's time. The Riley rant.